Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 36 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam from the Casual Watch Review channel and Chris from Everyday Mastery on Instagram. I'm bringing back the retro intro, Chris. Nice, nice. Good evening, Sam. 30-something, 36. We are getting up there. I know, and that was a really interesting one we did with Rick last week on Scottish Watches. I mean, I won't take offence to this, but it seemed to be the most listened to in the shortest amount of time. Right. Celebrity status, as I think. I think we got the the celebrity bump for there. And... uh, it was worth it. Uh, what time? Did, what time in the morning? Morning? Do we have to get up for that? We we did it at. I had to get up at five just to get set up and everything. I think did we start? We either started at five thirty or I six. But it was. I think it was six. Yeah, it was. I was one cup of coffee and had not spoken to anyone. Definitely when we started recording. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it was really good fun. A big thanks to uh, Rick. He brought in a few of that. We were t- discussing micro brands, and he came in with some heavy hitters, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I don't. I just, you know, we're all like, "Well, I've got this. I got this three hundred dollar. It comes with a Miyota." And he's just like, "Yeah, check out this Turbion. They're making nine of them." <laughs> I know, and it's got human hair inside it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It was really good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good uh, perspective. Awesome. Awesome. Let's talk about, as always, watch obsessions. So, Chris, do you want to kick this off? What's your watch obsession been this week? I think. I think my watch obsession this week has been uh, Rob's one watch challenge so random rob over on youtube he was talking about an interaction that he had with someone who had a i think a submariner or or an explorer and basically it was his only watch and he knew that it was it was something he had to save for uh, he was in the army i'm of course i'm not going to tell the whole story but the story is on youtube rob tells it and basically it's he has this one watch and he's he's settled and it does everything with him and it does what he needs it to do and sort of made me look at and and you and I have been talking about this previously sort of about the difference between a connoisseur and a collector yeah. so, you know and a, like a watch appreciator um, versus someone who has to fill out a collection or fill out a watch box something like that there's nothing wrong with either of them you can you know, there are certain things that I enjoy collecting. There are certain things that I, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past. You you know a lot about, but you know if you start collecting, it'll get out of control real fast. Absolutely. Swatch. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, taking that in mind, I took a look at the watch box. And I even went so far as to say, what am I collecting? And then and then what am I what am I wearing every day? What what is what is my favorite? watch that I'm that represents who I am what I do um go everywhere do everything um, that I just need to not be afraid or that I'm not afraid and that was one of the other things we we had talked about Sam with your tutor yeah not being afraid to get scratched and dented and etc so yeah I've decided to uh pop on the Bell and Ross GMT, the V293 GMT, 
and uh, V2, I'm sorry, is it 93 or 94? Good job, Chris. Your favorite watch. <laughs> this on is your second. favorite watch that you know. I know, right? About. This is it. This is right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's only because I was looking at like a thousand model model numbers a second ago. I had it right. So you can, you don't have to edit it. So it's the, it was the V2, the V293 GMT. And it's my everyday, my usual everyday watch. It has been in the past. I, I actually put it back on the bracelet. Gonna wear it for a month. So that's the challenge. And it was interesting on the Facebook group as well, because when we posted the challenge, seems a couple of other people are up for the challenge. Now, I've, I've also agreed to do this challenge, but I can't agree to keep it on the same watch strap, I have to say, because I think I am a serial watch yeah. strap changer. Th- that, that was the first thing my wife asked me. She said, uh, what's this? What's this one watch challenge? And I was like, it's, just, it's a silly thing. Don't worry about it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm still like embarrassed about it. Right. And she's like, oh, OK, so just the you're just going to wear the, the one watch. She's like, OK. And then it was funny because she was just like, yeah, that seems easy to me. And I'm like, I know it's easy for you. <laughs> She's like, well, I have like two watches. I'm like, I know, I know. Uh, but for some of us who have this obsession, can't necessarily decide. Uh, it's sort of, it, it's a lot harder. So then she said, well, can you change straps? Do you have to keep it on? And I said, no. And then she, and then I was like, no, you can put it on. I can put it on whatever strap I want. And then she's like, oh, that's like cheating because it's like getting another one. <laughs> so even <laughs> she knows. So she's with you, Sam. Put it on whatever strap you want. I, I think this will make a really interesting YouTube video. You know, I think if we lay some kind of rules around it, I don't know if Random Rob had any rules about it, but I think for mm-hmm. such watch obsessives like we are, I mean, for example, you could have a one watch. I'm just wearing this watch for a month, but then what if you buy a new watch? Are you going to not? Right. Have, are you going to not wear that one, or are we talking consistently? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a month, and it's. I think it's good to just sort of have that question or answered to yourself to say am am i am i being too obsessive about this am i a collector am i a connoisseur can i can i just get away with my favorite watch um am i afraid to and you'll know i mean within a week you know i'm sure there's going to be a fresh ding like i've already i'm looking at the back of my bracelet and i'm like already angry about it but (laughs) but um but it made me think about the the people that are in the industry and that are you know youtubers and 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 blog blog writers etc and 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 even watchmakers and it made me think about those folks that are in the influence of in the sphere of watches and yet just wear their one piece so my example on the facebook group was Roger Smith, who just wears a Rolex Explorer. Yeah. And if you don't know, Roger Smith, um, watchmaker, apprentice of uh, George Daniels, who made the Daniels Escapement, which is now in every Omega. And so and he makes marvelous one-off pieces that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's a celebrated watchmaker. He teaches it. Um, he's really not only teaching it, but he's, he's continuing the tradition of, of moving the engineering forward. So he's designing new types of movements, new types of escapements. Fascinating. Uh, and, he's, and he's around watches. He's around the industry all the time. Rolex Explorer every day. Yeah, it's amazing that there's many iconic watches like that. You think of like Karl Lagerfeld, the designer, had the AP, the black AP. 
Steve right? Jobs with his Seiko. And there's many examples, isn't there? I mean, they're, they're not traditional watch collectors, as you mentioned, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly yeah. an interesting concept, isn't it? And I, I, this is something that I think thought about when I went through the inevitable stage, I think, when you start collecting watches is like quantity. And then I come to realize is, could I ever be can I ever be happy this way right but whereas the one watch collection I think allows you to really not only allows you to focus on one watch but also determine whether you really like it for for the for the reasons that you originally bought it maybe fall back in love with it or maybe really enhance what you thought yeah and and also allow yourself like release yourself of the I need to search for the next thing. Yes. You know, to give give yourself a break on the oh I have to I have to find the the most amazing thing. And I found over the last year there'd be occasionally times I mean um Hanhart had was come, came out with uh their Saab Jet limited 130 piece edition very uh aviation inspired GMT and a you know and a three hander with the date and I was I was like oh this is really cool I, could this be the could this be the one could this be the one and now that I think back on it I was like oh it's just basically just trying to find a replacement for something I already had it's weird how that happens isn't it I, I think I've done that before where I've had I think I did it with the Speedmaster a lot where I was always looking for the next watch that had similar features to that one when I was looking at right. chronograph watches right. I totally agree with you there. I am definitely up for this challenge. What what we think in the start of October or Well, I'm I'm in it now. Oh. So I mean, I guess you can start whenever, but uh I started uh September September 2nd. So, I had te- well technically the first, but I'll I'll say the second. So, and so, yeah, then, then just go 30 days. It doesn't necessarily, like, it's not, a, it doesn't have to be a September thing. There's going to be situations you're going to get yourself into where it's going to be uh, raining, weather, cold, warm, hot outside, mowing the lawn, doing yard work, washing up, doing dishes, et cetera. Et cetera. I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't take it off, but at the same time, allow that to happen. Allow life to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're using the hashtag, uh, one watch challenge over on Instagram. Well, I've just thought as well as like October doesn't half sound like watchtober. Right. Maybe we should right. do, I would love to do this watchtober. intro video. Maybe we can roll right. it into a watch me right. at the end and people, the people that are interested in also doing this, we could yeah. have a zoom call at the end and talk about our experiences. So I could make a YouTube video that based on good. the premise and things that we've talked about here, but, um, very interesting. Well, shall I kick it off with my watch obsession now that we've just talked about? I have been obsessed with the new Christopher Ward Super Compressor watch. I think this is the most exciting dive watch that was released this last week. And I mean, including the Rolexes. This Some other dive watches that just happen to show up. <laughs> yeah, a few little, you know, one or two, one or two. Yeah. This thing yeah, wow. is nothing short of spectacular. I'm going to say this is one of the best dive watches that's been released this year, and I don't say that lightly. I think what wow. Christopher Ward has done here is absolutely spectacular. They've, what they've, now I'm not sure semantics-wise, 
but what they're saying is that they've created the first super compressor watch honestly the first super compressor watch that has the super compressor functionality would you say or yeah because isn't it it's basically it's a, a super like that term let's let's expand that a little bit that term is is to describe a particular the pressure that 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 holds the watch where the bezel and the the inner it has an inner rotating bezel that's driven by a separate crown it's it's a style but what does that mean mechanically well yeah the watch mechanically doesn't really differ from a a normal watch they're using a salita movement it's the case that gets its compressor name and originally watches early dive watches in the early 1900s up to really in the 1950s used screw case backs but obviously then uh, the machinery didn't have high tolerances like it has now so the cases and also the rubber was awful wasn't it before the vulcanized mm-hmm. rubber yeah. etc so dive watches would often fail and apparently around about the 1950s this company called epsa or epsa developed the compressor case to basically get over a lot of the limitations that dive watches had and essentially you might have heard me tell this story similar to Vostok, where essentially the case under pressure then compresses inwards and forms a tighter seal on mm-hmm. the gasket, making it meaning that they could dive uh, further, etc. Now, this company, I believe they they coined the term super compressor eventually, this Epsa company. So I think that's what Christopher Me- Ward means when they say, this is the first true super compressor case since then. Although the, the Vostok is a prime example of this. The Vostok right. works in a similar way, although it's got uh, perspex on the, the front. So that also flexes to form a seal. But I be, um, they're totally right when they say 90% of the watch, probably more, probably nearly every single micro brand or whatever that says they've got a compressor case is usually why, and I point this out in most of the reviews that I do, and they're careful with the wording. They'll usually say a compressor style case because right. double crowns, like you said, and uh, in a rotating bezel. So this case actually compresses. So it's yeah, a compressor. Yeah. A couple of really interesting things as well that they've done is they there was no original plans that they could find for this because this Epsa company is long gone. There was no blueprints for how to make this compressor case in a similar way that they did. So they bought a Epsa watch, which they're apparently they're quite sought after now. They can go, one in decent condition can go for over $10,000, it says on Watch Pro. Watch Pro did an awesome interview with uh, Christopher Ward on this uh, watch. Not actually Christopher Ward, he's left the business now. Mm-hmm. But the company. But the company, yes. And they reverse engineered it. And apparently they all of their cases are made by one of the world's best case manufacturers, which is in China. So they reverse engineered the case. They went through several iterations until they got it to actually function. A couple of cool things about it is this case, of course, is they say is the first true super compressor since uh, for 50 years. And also the the mechanism the compressor style case it's the first time that there's ever been an exhibition case back 
on a case. That, that is that is really interesting. Well, one of the things interesting about Christopher Ward, which they alluded to on this interview, was apparently coronavirus, the, the coronavirus and the stay at home, instead of negatively impacting their business, they've done phenomenally well. That watch that we discussed, remember the one with the blue sapphire dial? Yes. That has become their best-selling watch that they have ever produced. In wow. fact, this year-on-year -year sales, I think they were saying, I don't know whether this was Q1 or whether it was the um, year-on-year was something ridiculous, like 70% increase in sales. Christopher Ward are doing phenomenally well. And I think this watch that they designed is a complete home run from them. I know uh, I'm resisting buying it. I'm like, you like watches with dates on it. You like watches with dates on it. <laughs> like with dates on it. Right. I think right. for the price, I think with the bracelet, you're looking at around $1,400 mark, Salita Movement. Okay. I think they so have absolutely, honestly, I think they've absolutely nailed this watch. It, yeah. it looks yeah. absolutely fantastic. It feels, and we, we discussed this a little bit last time, it feels like Christopher Ward is out of microbrand territory and that they're, this is, they are, they are a brand and they're here to stay and they're doing things that everybody wants and celebrate that. I'm seeing them more often and certainly the the blue sapphire that you mentioned and then this one has been all over the uh, the social media. And they've been doing a TV campaign on this as well. They did a first televised British television, a uh, mm -hmm. I believe, a first TV commercial on the Blue Sapphire one. Apparently, they they said that this was one of the key reasons why they did yeah. so well. Yeah, I feel like if you're doing a, a $2 million ad buy on television, that <laughs> maybe that's not the case, but... Uh, if you're buying advertising on television, I feel like you're now, you're no longer a micro brand. You're now a brand. Absolutely. <laughs> you're now a big brand. <laughs> One of the very interesting things as well in the interview, and this was, um, again, an interview on Watch Pro. And Watch Pro, by the way, is where I get the majority of these stories from. The, the interview, the, apparently the gentleman who heads up this Chinese case manufacturer, apparently this case manufacturer makes cases for a lot of brands like brands that they're not even allowed to talk about and brands that right. likely wouldn't mention that they had their cases made in asia whereas christopher mm -hmm. ward synonymous with just being completely open with how they price things where things are made there's none of this it, none of the watches say made in britain or whatever they are they say they're proud proudly designed and assembled in the uk from swiss and and parts around and mm -hmm. they talk about how they price things they have incredible sales they have not only incredible sales but they have that annual for us it's 120 25 dollars off for the uk it's probably 100 dollars off a watch right, uh, right really open but apparently this case maker who is extremely famous who heads up this uh, chinese case manufacturer apparently is the best in the world even hmm. at basil world he wears a christopher ward watch he wears one of the original oh, motorsports because that motorsport case which they then used for the vintage diver this gentleman believes that it's the best watch case that he's ever made in his entire history cool. of making cases that's cool and and these are swiss made on the dial so knowing that i believe it's 60 percent uh, or more Probably I think it's, I think it's 60 yeah so so 60 that means that 60% of the watch 
had to be sourced from Switzerland. So, you know, obviously the movement and hands maybe and dial maybe and, you know, various parts, obviously, you know, so Asian case case manufacturer. But as you said, their level of quality is really and they I think just from a marketing price standpoint, they couldn't have priced. I mean, this is just it's a, it's perfect because if they had priced this for you know if they've tried to say okay well we're, we're gonna go you know we're gonna ignore that we were a micro brand you know five years ago and we're gonna go up market and we're gonna start to edge into the you know three three thousand you know etc um i think that would that would do some damage here but eleven hundred dollars for for what is here on the bracelet um great Great start, great, great looking, great looking watch and, and great specs. Absolutely. I think this is, if you've not checked this out, this show isn't sponsored by Christopher Ward, but of course, Chris and I are always open for it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Call us up. I think this is one <laughs> of the, this for me is one of the most exciting dive watches that I have seen this year that has a, f- a new, fresh design. I would highly recommend checking it out. So we'll, We'll leave that story there, Chris. And then Mm. next one, I'll get your view on this. A long time ago on the podcast, we've talked several times about the Timex Q series of watches. This was the the Q watch that they then released and a load of people bought it, tried to flip it and then realized Mm -hmm. that Timex like, well, hang on, there's another batch coming. Like, don't (laughs) buy it off eBay. Why would you you pay $400 for this uh, quartz watch? right anyway chris have you seen the new colorways i i haven't i just pulled them up so i've got i've got a peek at them now fresh fresh eyes fresh look so let me know what you think Uh, so this yeah so all right so they already have i'm sure they already have nicknames but uh i see the black and green the blue and orange and then the blue and red, is this right, with the white dial? Or are there newer ones? They're newer ones that have just been oh. released. This is the quartz ones. I think you're looking at the last batch of mechanical ones. So, okay. on, again, okay. another story on uh, Watch Pro, where I get a lot of these um, these great oh. stories. They've changed the case. Uh, yeah, so gold, um, yellow, uh, what, sorry, rose gold, and then, and then like a black and red so interesting so blue blue half so 12 12 hour bezels and they they always had that so and then half <laughs> it's interesting that they did they did the half uh colors there so blue and like the root beer and then silver like like the coke if you will these are these are nicknames but everybody yeah, and knows the gold them. one i don't know what you think i don't know if i if i picked one i might I would might go for the gold, but then I don't know whether it might be a little bit over the top. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's just more now. So, so now, I mean, now they've got like what six six total seven if you count the original seven total colorways. I would do the I would do the black and red on silver. I would be I would be lame. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to see what the rose gold one looks like. I saw a rose gold ap royal oak once that and I, I reviewed it on the channel it just it looked the business but then i don't know whether i could pull it off as my full my full-time watch in in rose gold although i do i do like the mm. look for sure yeah but, yeah yeah well i've got a few more stories but i think we might as well pause for a very quick ad break 
Hey, it's Chris from the Casual Watch Talk podcast. As our longtime listeners know, we often talk about cars here on the pod, and that's no coincidence. Like a lot of mechanical watch lovers, we're both into cars and racing. A couple years ago, I curated a collection of automotive-inspired straps and started the Camping Auto Club. Camping Auto Club watch straps celebrate the rich history of automotive liveries with their inspired colors. Available in a single-pass NATO, two-piece, and our new super-comfy elastic NATO, check out Camping Auto Club on the web. That's championship in Italian, C-A-M-P-I-O, N-A-T-O dot club. Hey everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. We've got a couple more stories here. So Chris, want something, this is hot off the press now, and mm. I'll have to explain that I've only just read this story. The photo alone looks absolutely incredible, but apparently, I don't know if you've heard of this, but Grand Seiko have been working on a secret project to make a turbion movement. Oh, wow. I have not heard. Yeah, it looks it looks absolutely incredible. The movement on it, it's just a gorgeous looking thing. It isn't it doesn't use the spring drive uh, technology, but it's they apparently they've been working on this for quite some time. There also isn't a lot of news about what kind of watch it's going to go in either. Hmm. It just seems like at the moment it's in this concept stage it's called mm. like the t0 or to tau or something but it, i think it's i think it's t0 but this thing looks mm-hmm. absolutely spectacular I, yeah i just pulled up a picture it says constant force so i feel like there's and i'm looking absolutely there's so many gears and and things going on i i just <laughs> with the picture I'm looking at at least 15 joules. Oh, there it says 43 joules. A 43 joule movement. They have ruby, uh, synthetic rubies on everything. And you can see the tourbillon cage at the bottom with the, uh, with the escapement and the planetary gear set. Now, what's in- fascinating, just from an engineering spec, the top left has a reduction gear set with a series of uh, planetary gears. Uh, three um, inside this kind of double geared. Wow, there's a there's a lot going on there, and then it looks like an extra big uh, barrel. So this must have. I don't see. I mean, we're just seeing the front of it. This must have some sort of uh, heavy power reserve, I would say, or some part of that. And taking the name Constant Force, it sounds like they've figured out a way to make it so that the mainspring pulls the same amount of force when it's on wound with, you know, 40, 80 hours uh, of power when it's all the way down to one. And for those of you don't uh, know, one of the hard things to do with watches with your mainspring is a fully wound mainspring is going to make the watch run a little bit faster than uh, than when it's fully wound down, and it it can change that friction can change over time. You know whether it's wound up or wound down. Um, so normally when I go to test a watch on the time grapher, I, I wind it about twenty times and then let it settle out for a little bit so that like the power has time to go through all the gear train and and everything happens and then put it on the time grapher and figure out what it's running at so just from that alone 
very super fascinating very cool looking it's going to be fascinating to follow this as well and any predictions chris for cost what do you think uh 2.6 million dollars <laughs> no uh it's it's i mean it's gorgeous it looks like it also has a uh, power reserve indicator on the bottom that's sort of built in like a gold i mean who who knows if this is in we it, it, a couple of weeks ago we were i was uh, talking about my printed uh printed the 3d printed tourbillons and uh, the 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 top comment was like you know that's a hundred thousand dollars so this is certainly going to be well in, in or above that range it would not shock me if this is a if this is a two hundred thousand dollar piece that they're going to make 50 of uh or 60 of for their, their anniversary 60 i think I think you're right. I know that they do make... I'm sure they make a Grand Seiko that's up $100,000 range with like a painted dial yeah. or something along those lines. I think you're right. I think this is going to go in a a special watch. For example, if it's a quarter of a million or something along those lines. Do you think... I, I imagine it would probably go to an Asian buyer because I think if you're spending that type of money, I don't know whether... Would a US buyer, I'm, I'm not trying to besperch Grand Seiko here, but if you're talking Ferrari money for a watch, how would you feel about having Seiko on the dial, Grand Seiko on the dial? Yeah, maybe not for this market. Maybe not for this market. But there, but there are folks out there. I think there are folks out there you know, you know, that you can get, you know, that are, that are in that realm. I don't, I don't necessarily, I think that there's more maybe in the Asian market or even in a European market. Um, you know, it's what, yeah, that's, that's really tough to tell. I would not want to, I definitely would not want to be in that marketing department because that's, it's hard to, I mean, how many Koenigseggs are you going to sell in this country? You know, how many sell? I don't know. Have you ever seen one on the street? Well, maybe there's one <laughs> and it's just this super one-off, uh, handmade sports car that they're, you know, that's just ultra, ultra engineered, uh, that reminds me of the same sort of look that this has. And and once you're into that realm, cost is cost is irrelevant. If you if you're if you love the brand and you know you're you're able to not not blink at a two story four bedroom house in Indiana on your wrist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm gonna sneak. Maybe I sh- I'm sneaking in another watch obsession here. But sure, let's do it. I had delivery and just to keep everyone up to date i've been talking about a walbrook watch that i backed on kickstarter uh, essentially walbrook was the history of the brand it's a french brand they made dive watches but the premise to this kickstarter was that it was discovered that neil armstrong owned one of these watches in fact it went up for auction not too long ago he owned one of these uh walbrook or i believe douglas was the other name that they sold upon mm-hmm. until i investigated walbrook really i didn't realize that neil armstrong was a test pilot before then so yes. he wore one of yeah. these as a test pilot now they they of mm-hmm. course said is there's no photographs with him wearing it yeah could have just been one of his but they made a really nice looking watch and it arrived we've been waiting some time because of covid etc i think i've been talking about it on the channel and it it looks great my only niggle with it is i had no experience re- i haven't got extensive experience with miota right i mm-hmm. okay. a lot of watches i get a seiko and i mm-hmm. i got a confirmational bias where they said oh we're putting the reliable miota i think it's the 8051 or whatever in it 
I A two five oh yeah yeah eighty two fifty or something. Yeah. I had no idea this was a non hacking movement, and I don't know why uh, this bothers me so much. But it re- not mm-hmm. only does it not hack, but have you heard the rotor on this movement? <laughs> yes, I I'm have. afraid I'm going to wake the dead. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, yeah. The, I mean, that's that is the one thing, with, especially with the eighty two hundred series. That's the very rattly, <laughs> very rattly. What? But why is that? I don't understand why that is. Yeah. So it comes down to the fact that the, the movement only winds in one direction. So unlike Seiko, that has the 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 pawl that grabs the gear in both directions and winds clockwise and counterclockwise, uh, the Miyota movements only wind clockwise. And much like the 7750 value, if you spin them the other way, they just it'll just it'll just spin for a good you know 10 seconds because it's you know it just it has no resistance in the opposite direction. So you get a little of that wobble. You know, it's more pronounced because it's not it's not winding in both directions, so it's not it's not pulling power from the rotor. So it has a tendency to just freewheel. Certainly with with even the the next step up the 9000 miatas do the, the similar similar the same thing same design clockwise only winding i'm just not used to it because a lot of the watches have seiko nh35 a seiko mm-hmm. NH, and i don't understand i don't understand why they didn't use the seiko movement in here and this leads me to i had an interesting email conversation somebody emailed me in for a watch review i Mm -hmm. won't say the company it's a very very well-known watch brand like not a micro brand a decades decades old watch company and they Mm -hmm. they asked me whether i would view this watch and it looked the business this watch looked the business Mm -hmm. But again, it had this Miyota movement in, and I replied back and I said, I'm at a loss really to why you've designed such a beautiful watch, dive watch, ceramic bezel, sapphire crystal, and then you've put a movement in that has plus or minus 20 seconds variance. There's no micro adjustment, I don't think, on these movements. Mm -hmm. You'll have to explain how that works because I don't understand it. It's non-hacking and it has this extremely noisy rotor. I actually said to him, I said, customers will probably return this watch here thinking that there's something mechanically wrong because that's the number one comment on this Kickstarter is, is my watch broken? Oh, really? Because they're hearing that that rotor spin? Yeah, it is unsettling. If you've not heard this, uh, uh, guys that's listening, if you've not heard how loud this thing is, it's like a fidget spinner. It really yeah, is yeah. very, very audible. It, it feels like there's a malfunction with the bearings or it's not been properly oiled. It's certainly also dependent on the case design. So this is a this is a thin 60s design. So the Miotas that I've had experience with are in like a heavier dive watch style case. Does this have a display back at all? It doesn't, but you're right. Okay. It's a thin. It's they've done an awesome job of the case. The case is yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So I I think it just came down to the fact that they needed a a thin movement, and and I and the Miotas are thinner than than uh, the NA35. Certainly the Seiko movements. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. As and what else it is. They are compatible with an ETA or more compatible. So if you have a case that you could put a Miyota in, it's more likely that you could fit 
an ETA in there. I mean, certainly, you know, without, without having, you know, if it was really thin versus a, a, a Seiko movement. Yeah, I'm at a loss, really, because I feel like the feature trade-off for having a thinner case doesn't justify the movement. I feel this is partly down to the fact that they have a mecha quartz one as well a three hand mm-hmm. mecha quartz i was toying whether i should go with that because because i'd back kickstarter before and and i'd had a watch that i wasn't in love with the first time i thought well i pick quartz because it's a safe option but the problem is is that their quartz version didn't have a date oh i see and you want the date and you want the date yeah i don't know it's a great looking watch but you know one of the things that we could do i mean so you so it's the 8215 that's in it, which it's the mechanical with the date. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is their standard movement. This is 20 to 40, so minus 20 to plus 40 seconds a day accuracy. So this is 7S26, unregulated. I think it can, I mean, it at least can be adjusted. They I said don't think they adjusted it, you know, it. Yeah, okay. So it can be adjusted. So it's not, again, you're like, some accuracy out of it you could you could step up to the premium automatic which is the the ones that notice use in their divers mm-hmm. the 9015 i believe is a is a drop in and i'll and i'll do some i'll do some research for you the same yeah i think so five seven six i think it's the same size and it's a or a very similar size and you could you could step up to a ninety fifteen and get some and then get uh, minus ten plus thirty yeah. a day. But I know that those run better than that, and they they run better than a an NH thirty five or better than a Seiko movement. Not as well as maybe an ETA. If you want to go big, we can put an ETA in there. I'm, I'm definitely will uh, consult you on options and uh, we'll, we'll keep everyone <laughs> updated. But yeah, so uh, unfortunately, that's where we're going to finish the show because nothing else exciting happened this week in no, the world no, of no, watches. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, bye everyone. September, <laughs> no, September, we're good. <laughs> no, of course, uh, of course, <laughs> there was also major news in the watch industry. And I think I've got the coveted prize of, what do you think, Chris? The only YouTuber that didn't make a video on this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. The only watch YouTuber not to make a video. I think every, I think I've seen, let me think. So, so, so. Yeah, I think I've seen everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you, uh, why don't you talk us through it then? <laughs> All right. Well, Rolex, the king, as they say, is uh, out with their 2020 new releases and... Having seen some of the videos, I mean, I'll pull, I'll pull some stuff that I've seen, which I think is great. Instead of this mode where they would announce at Basel and then you'd see the pictures of these things, but no one would be, no one would be able to get a hold of them and it'd be months before you'd even see one on someone's wrist. They, they did what they did with the Tudor, which is they're, they're in stores and ready to sell. So that was, that was an interesting change for them. And they updated their main Samariner line, their the OP, the Oyster Perpetual. Yep. They did some other changes. Uh, what's it? The Yachtmaster. The they did it for the the new Air King. Was it that? Um, not the new Air King. Sorry, uh, we're going to mm. crucify here. The Sky Dweller. They put right, they the put Sky a Dweller. rubber mm-hmm. they rubber strap which yes. revolutionized the design for the casual buyer I mean, by putting the rubber strap on it the Oyster it, Flex. It feels like when I saw that, I mean, I definitely see them going after maybe the you know Ublo or or Richard Mill buyer yeah. there. 
that's you know that wants that flashy gold Rolex, but on a very expensive rubber strap. And I joke, <laughs> I joke about the Sky Dweller, but functionally it's fantastic because the oh, the bezel works. The, it looks like it's just a fluted bezel that doesn't move, but the bezel mm-hmm. has a function to it, which the Yachtmaster, I think the original Yachtmaster, the bezel had a function. But I, I, I'm I'm with you. I liked the the Oyster Perpetual, the colours. I certainly like those. Now, I know these watches said they would be available to purchase, but Stephen, good friend to the show, he was actually going to go down to his AD and he phoned the AD Perfect. a couple of times and apparently Coming they were down. quite rude to him like, about it. Um, <laughs> but So they're not immediately available. But yeah, they've, Submariner's got a, an extra inch on the case, didn't they? But also the lugs are slightly tighter. And I, I, I don't know whether this got cleared up, but I remember Bark and Jack saying whether, or, or was one of them that said that it was unclear about the lug width, whether it was going to be 20 still or whether they were going to go to something awful like 21 mil. I, from what I heard, I, I didn't think it was changing, but that, but, but that the, they reshaped the lugs and, you know, it, going back to the one watch challenge for a second, if they made, one of these in blue, which Bark, uh, Bark and Jack, uh, Adrian said, uh, that was maybe possible. Uh, if they did one of these in blue, blue dial, stainless steel, which other folks have now said that that's never going to happen. Well, because they had the Smurf, didn't they, in white gold? Right, in white gold. It's, it's, it's going to be reserved for white gold. If they were to do that, I, I, I would have been, I would, I would have been, I, that would have hurt me because I would have been like, wait a minute, I, this is, is this the one? Could I go get this? You know, kind of thing. I definitely, I almost didn't want to see it. And now that, now that they've come out and they, and we're not going to see it fine. Um, the closest you get is the blue, the blueberry, uh, bezel, but that's white gold as well. I've seen a couple of the Kermits in person. It's not a design that I love. Like you say, I think if you're going to go with the, that they're brightly colored bezel then you've got to go all in like the whole right. where it's green on green i've seen one of the gr- smurfs yep. in mm-hmm. real life and th- they're gorgeous i yeah. still think for me if if you you know held a gun to my head or gave me the money and said you have to buy a current line for the rolex yeah. now mine would probably be the 41 mil date just with the smooth bezel and that that stunning gray dial that it has with maybe oh, it's on nice. a jubilee. Yes. And the blue in that is nice too. Yes, the, they've got a gorgeous blue dial. What do you think mm-hmm. of the vibrance of the colors of the Oyster Perpetual? Because these are, they're not metallic, they are... Right, flat, colored. Do you think this is because, because they recently sued that other watch company, probably out of existence, that was putting these highly colored aftermarket dials on Rolexes. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe it gave them pause. I mean, they're going to, I mean, their their legal department's going to go, I mean, you do anything, you do anything with the king and there's, you're going to, you're going to get the legal department on you. But it may have, who knows, may have sort of said, uh, if the popularity of these colors and these, these unique colorways, maybe there's something here. It's certainly something to, to think about. I found it uh, surprising the the bright the, the the level of color and how bright they were, and uh, I think uh, Jenny Ellie on her channel had the best comment. She uh, she joked that she thought it was the new uh, Doxa release. 
that's how bright these colors are and not taking anything away uh i think they're great totally agree with you they are doxa colors because there's that sort of teal mm-hmm. color that babe the sort of sky blue tealy color you've got the very vibrant green which i know doxa don't do a green but it, it does look like a doxa but of course they've got the yellow dial as well yeah the yellow is i don't <laughs> i don't know how you i don't know if you could that, i don't know if that's your everyday is the yellow with the yellow op <laughs> yeah you wonder who that's aimed at but i'm sure there's a, a country around the world that or, or certain wearer that would just pull that off whoever buys that yellow what dial watch is going to they're going to have a whole look to complete it, and I'm sure it's going to look awesome. Yeah, or or uh, a navy blue strap and just represent uh, Sweden. So <laughs> uh, They didn't touch anything else, did they, really? I know people were predicting the Explorer. To, uh, one of the no. Explorers might get ceramic bezel. There might be a polar white Explorer 1. Yeah, and it, it, there was also some confusion whether it was going to be like a continual over days, but I, I believe this is it. I believe this is what they've announced and what they're doing so it isn't we're not gonna see anything anything besides this um also uh drinking game uh every time someone tries to rename the uh kermit so you just you know take a shot every time oh who had a go at it the other day the the sermit or something i wonder if that was the sermit that's i've heard that federico heard that yeah it can't be and then somebody i mentioned somebody on the uh, urban gentry put the green lantern and proceeded to get absolutely (laughs) crucified by the members exactly exactly yeah the the new kermit yeah, the new Kermit. Yeah, Neo Kermit. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> we'll we will hear a bunch of those, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, let us know over on the Facebook group as well what you think of that and any other suggestions. We've had quite an influx of new members, so thank you everyone who's listened to uh, the podcast and then joined the Facebook group. Yeah, appreciate it. Very happy to have you. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. And Chris and I will be back on next week's episode of Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.